and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one friendly page of Talmud a day. In today's page, Aruvin 9, the rabbis are trying to suss out the difference between a public space and a semi-public space, and they're trying to look at some intricacies of the differences. And to do that, they summon a kind of logical device. They say, and I quote, this is similar to a situation where a permanent resident is down on the ground while a stranger is raised up to the highest heaven, the very opposite of the appropriate state of affairs, telling us, in other words, that the appropriate state of affairs is that our neighbors, uh, the people who live closest to us, ought to be the ones we consider most highly. Which leads me to welcome our guest today. She is Professor Nancy Rosenblum of Harvard University, the author of a terrific book that I'm very glad I stumbled upon because it delighted me, Good Neighbors, The Democracy of Everyday Life in America. Hello, Professor Rosenblum. Hello, and thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So what's so special about neighbors? Why should we care so much about them? Well, that's a terrific question because most ethics have a notion of special responsibilities we have to particular people, usually is to family and friends. I mean, they're the ones who are most dependent on us. And these are, you know, valued relationships and the human heart has sway. So if you demanded that we give favor to others over friends or family, it would be not just impossible, but experienced as wrong. Why neighbors before strangers? The negative answer is that this is sheer tribalism, right? That there are insiders and outsiders. But I think uh, that this, the rabbis are warranted in saying this, that there is a distinct ethic of neighborliness that takes uh, priority, and they call it kindness. I would describe it a little differently, that the neighbor really is a unique relationship. It's not just someone who's familiar in proximity, but proximity to home. And that's the unique power that neighbors have over our lives and their value in our lives. It's explained by that one word, home. Because it's around home that our ordinary vices and virtues are displayed, that our trespasses and kindnesses are inescapable. I'm sure your listeners know if they've had bad experiences or good ones. Neighbors can affect the quality of life in a profound way. And the defining ethic of neighbors, I think, is reciprocity. And kindness to neighbors assumes this reciprocity, this mutual care. It's not altruism. It's the give and take of reciprocity. And so kindness encourages us to reproach our neighbors when there's a violation in the right spirit, in a way that's going to preserve our being able to live side by side. And I think there's no equivalent human stake in other relations and certainly not with strangers passing through. Now, the rabbis didn't just use this example uh, out of the blue. They used it in a discussion that is very much about trying to ascertain what's a public versus a semi-public space. And one thing that was so interesting to me about your book, and this is right there in a subtitle, is that you called this neighborly relations the fabric of the everyday democracy in America. So, so I understand the, the moral principle that you just made, but, but how is the actual fabric of democracy shaped by these relations? How, how is our civic self forged by these neighborly relations? Well, I'm not sure they are forged. I think that neighbors and what I'm calling the democracy of everyday life occupies a separate sphere. I think that in complicated societies, there, there's a kind of pluralism, by which I mean different spheres of life, right? So neighbors occupy a sphere different from work and different from civic life, public life. 
And they are quasi, as you say, they're quasi between public and private because they're not completely private. They're relationships with neighbors who may begin as strangers. But on the other hand, they're not public either. That is, the normal rules of public life, civic life, of civil liberties and of uh, legalism and so on, don't apply amongst neighbors. Neighbors, I think, are governed when they're governed properly by this principle of reciprocity. There are many, many people who think that either neighbor relations are the fountain of civic relations or that civic relations ought to govern the way we interact with neighbors. And the argument of my book is that, no, there are different spheres of life, and this is a a valuable and unique one, and we should understand how it operates. And we should also understand, I mean, and this speaks to our time, I think, that if neighbor relations are governed by something besides reciprocity and the quality of life at home, if the fury of partisanship, for example, or business becomes the rule amongst neighbors, then something terrible is lost. So one last question. How are we to think about or reconsider the neighborly sphere, if you will, in this age of COVID-19 when so many of us are sort of quarantined or cooped up at home and have much less to do with our neighbors than we ordinarily do? I think that's a terrific question. And I think that this invisible contamination and sequestering at home, more or less, makes neighbor relations both more fearful and at the same time, the sort of isolation of this time makes them more valuable. Because after all, neighbors are the people we see from our windows and hear from behind the wall and encounter when we venture outside. And very often we strain to see them because sighting these people is a comfort. We're not alone. And we probably relish contact at the mailbox or conversation from a distance. And what's striking about it is that these back and forths with neighbors is personal and individual. Again, it's not about business. It's not about politics. It's about How are you doing day to day? Are you working? What day is it? And so the meaning of the most mundane bit of reciprocity amongst neighbors, I think, is heightened. When somebody says to you now, how are you feeling today? It's not an empty greeting. The question and the response acknowledges, I think, our shared reality of disease and death. And I think that's what the rabbis were capturing, the reciprocity built on the lived experience of life around home. It's encapsulated for them in this obligation of kindness to neighbors. Amen to that. Professor Rosenblum, thank you so much for being our guest. It was my pleasure. Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes, Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone, or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.